0: From Impact Fashion, it's Be Impactful, a show about the women making a difference in their own corners of the world. I'm Rif Gietzkowitz, and on today's show, I talk with everyone's favorite makeup artist about why she chose to take on less clients, what it means to her to be truly authentic, and the one question she asks herself before every post. Burger is a dream who also happens to be a real person. If you were to design a beauty guru in your head, she would look like Gitty. Perfect brows, amazing skin, peppy personality. What makes Gitty unique is all the things you would leave out of that avatar. She's soulful, deep, and not afraid to get real, really fast. Little Tiny Gitty was this super
1: tall, lanky little girl who didn't look that little with this halo of frizz around her face (laughs) and was super quiet in public situations, especially school. I was kind of known as like bookish writer girl, sitting off to the side, hoping that no one would talk to me because then I would have to hear my own voice in my ears speaking back to them because I was so self-conscious in like every move I made in front of other people. Um, I always had this crazy imagination that was super, super vivid. Um, I'm trying to think what else.
0: Yeah. I think that people would be really surprised to hear that. I mean, listen, I, I know. And I think that anyone who like knows you in real life knows that you are a fabulous writer. So like having like the fact that you were like bookish and love to write and all of that, that makes perfect sense to me. Um, But I also know you as someone who doesn't shut up. So uh-huh, like, <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> and I don't think that, I think that people would assume and I'm someone who doesn't really shut up and I've always been that way. Like it's, it's still a running family joke. That like, was oh yeah. Rifty's still yeah. talking. Mm-hmm. Um And I'm like, did you, was there just, did you just wake up one day and be like, I'm not going to shut up or was it like, was it a, a conscious transition that you made? Like how did super quiet Gitti become Gitty Burger makeup extraordinaire who is like super expressive and vivid and, and all of those things? So um, originally when I answered your first question, I
1: said in public situations because I was certainly not quiet by any means. Guys, if you know my family, <laughs> don't ask them. <laughs> I was certainly not this quiet little thing um, in my, you know, in my home life and with people I was comfortable with, but in social situations, I was extremely painfully shy, socially awkward to the nth degree. And it was definitely a conscious decision because I was so, I guess you would say like precocious when it came to emotional self-awareness. I'm sure there's a fancier term for that, but you know, precocious is a pretty fancy word. No, I mean like, like my EQ in terms of, in terms of, how I fell into the world around me. I was always super, super aware of that, which I think most people or most children may not be. Meaning if you're in second grade, you, I mean, I don't know because I only know my experience, but you know, to me, I kind of knew I'm like, you're too tall. Your knees are banging into the desk. You're wearing your like your skirts like this awkward length, you know, because I went to a private school for orthodox Jewish girls and you know we had a designated uniform. So everyone was wearing the same exact outfit every single day. So I definitely was able to compare and see how my outfit differed from let's say the cool girls and I was constantly seeing It was almost like an out-of-body experience for myself where I was like, why can't you answer things normally? Or why are you freezing up when the teacher calls on you when you full well know the answer and you know that this is making you appear as if you don't, but you'd rather take that than hear your voice come croaking out into this deadly silent classroom. So it was this super kind of dull pain of constant self-awareness that I had from a super young age. But with that, I didn't really know what to do with that until I... I would say until about the middle of high school. And then you figured it out. And then I, yeah, well, that's a, <laughs> that's a super quick way of saying the okay. story, but yeah, yeah. Okay. It was definitely conscious and I was definitely, it was, it was a conscious decision. And I was driven to, it wasn't a matter of being, you know, cool. That wasn't something I cared about, but it was me not being in this constant state of it was like agony. I was always uncomfortable. And I just wanted to be comfortable. I wanted to feel free. And I knew that most of that was, you know, and again, I feel like a lot of teenagers fall into this pattern, pattern of, of victimhood, of, you know, blaming their, blaming their surroundings or their parents or their friends or their situation. And to me, I knew that that super intense feeling was because it had always been within me. You know, and whether outside factors contributed or not was not the point because I wasn't looking for excuses to stay within that zone. I wanted to get out. Right. Do you consider yourself an introvert or an extrovert?
0: I'm definitely an introvert. Yeah. Which I think may surprise some people too. I love it. I, I love it when people say that and I'll tell you because I fall exactly in the same boat because I you present as an extrovert but you really present isn't. as an extrovert I read the most fascinating study once and it's I think it's one of my favorite studies that I read and when I say that I read the study like yeah I read like all 25 pages because I'm a nerd like that yeah, I would do that totally um, yeah exactly totally. um there it was an it was a um it was a study done on presidential candidates in I think like before tv was mainstream so like the 40s maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, And what it basically was saying is that the properties that make up a good candidate, basically being extroverted, being charming, being outgoing, being able to connect to people and all of that, that makes a really good candidate, actually make for really bad presidents. Because to do the actual job, what you need to do is you need to like sit down and think critically about massive world issues that have all of these different um, ways that they can you know, there's, there's tons of different possibilities and all of that. So what it was actually saying is that the, the most successful presidents are the ones who were the worst candidates. So think about someone like FDR, when it was before a time when he needed to be super extroverted, because it was before a time when, he, when there was TV and when there was these televised debates and all of that. And there's, also, there's always that famous example of the Nixon-Kennedy debate. Where, mm-hmm. um, if you watched, that was one of the first debates to be televised. If you watched the debate on TV, you thought that JFK won because he's hot. Um, but if you listened to it on the radio when you were just listening to what they said, you thought that Nixon did better because right. he had better answers That's or, so or whatever it was. Mm hmm. So I'm always fascinated by this introverted, extroverted thing, because like you said, uh, both of us present as extroverts because we're good with people and we're like, we're perfectly fine to hang out with, but I don't know about you, but I, and I've mentioned this before, when I am at a party, I take frequent bathroom breaks, not even to go to the bathroom, literally just to like go into the bathroom, look at myself in the mirror, take a deep breath, like just compose and then go out because those situations really drain me. Um, And then, and listen, I work by myself all day. I spend, I mean, listen, I text my friends or whatever. And like my business, I work with a lot of people remotely. So not technically like by myself, but you, you, I, I just, I'm good by myself. I really, really am. And it's, I, I kind of figured that you were that way also. Yeah. So I think I remember reading somewhere
1: once a couple of years ago about how, how great social media and Instagram in particular is for, Introverts in helping them grow their business or their brand or whatever it is they're you know trying to do in the business sphere, because you know when I'm talking on Insta stories, I am not thinking of how many thousands of people are going to be watching me. I mean, I'm aware of it, so you know, there's I'm definitely <laughs> aware of what's <laughs> There's a of level of censorship that sense, that's happening, <laughs> of course, but in the sense of fear, I'm comfortable and I'm able to really be myself because it's just me talking to my phone, it's not so scary. And for me, a situation like that can get really scary, even when I'm teaching my courses, which are relatively, really small groups. Every single time, the day before I start a course and I actually meet my students and I meet the girls and we establish that connection, I can't eat, I have horrible stomach cramps every single time and I'm teaching for almost 10 years at this point. And it never gets old for me. And always my husband waits till I walk in the door. The next day after the first class, he always asks me, He's like, How was it? And I'm like, <sighs> Because now, <laughs> now there's 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 faces and there's people and there's hearts. And once once I'm, you know, so in that sense, I really, really love people. And I don't work remotely for the most part. I'm, you know, I'm on the field, I'm doing weddings, I'm teaching, I'm working in person with people, and I come alive when I'm with people, and when I'm around people, and I love it, but at the same time, with an extrovert, that fuels you and that gives you energy, and with an introvert, it drains you. Yeah. So when I'm in the situation, I'm on and I love it, but then when I come home, it's it's almost as if I can't even some. I, sometimes I can't even retell you know the accounts of my day, you know, to my husband or whatever. You know, we're we're eating dinner and we're talking because it's just. I'm spent and I can't talk anymore. And it's because I give so much of, this not just a job for me. I give so much of everything I have to what I do. And by the time I come home, I'm
0: done. <laughs> why is it more than just a job? How is it more than just a job? I think my why is different. Oh, we should um, also say what you do because we haven't done that oh, yet. Sorry. For someone who doesn't know. <laughs> Hi, guys.
1: <laughs> my name is Gitty Berger. I'm a bridal makeup artist and a beauty educator. I've been in the field for almost two
0: decades at this point so that adds up to a lot of brides (laughs) a lot of brides okay so why is it more than just a job because i I know plenty of makeup artists and i have had my makeup done by some of them where it's you know they show up they have their kit they you know they smear some stuff on my face they move on with their lives and it sounds like
1: professional smearer
0: isn't it it's a great that's (laughs) that's what my grandmother calls makeup artists to be perfectly honest she also calls she also calls um painters that like people who paint houses. That's what we're doing. Yeah. She's like, I just, (laughs) she's like, I just need someone to smear the walls. Um, that is my grandmother for you. Um, literally that anecdote encompasses her entirely. Um, (laughs) but yeah, why, why is it more than just a job for you? So I think my why
1: is, and there's nothing wrong. I just want to say that before I go into, you know, what my why is for me and what I do. I think there's, Absolutely nothing wrong. And there's a lot of pros to being that way, to being able to come, do your job, do it well, and then go home and be able to function optimally after that. Um, it's something that the fact that I am not able to do that is something that has definitely been a problem for me over the years. It's, it's, I am not able to give the way I want to give necessarily to my family when I get home. I'm just, there's, there's, it's almost as if there's nothing left of me to give because I need to refuel. I need to be alone for a little bit. I need to, I need to take my shower or my bath. I need to rest. I need to just be in silence because I'm so drained. I can't just walk in. By the way, to anyone who doesn't follow me on, on social or who doesn't know anything about my background, I'm a married mother of four children. So that's the that's a handful that's, that's that's yeah so that's where i'm that's what i'm walking into after work so that's another situation where i'm so grateful and so happy to have so many people to give to when i come home so to go from one situation in, directly into another that requires so much of me it's it's a lot yeah and it's something that i've always struggled with but it's i can't not care or care less about my clients. I've tried. It doesn't work. (laughs) It just doesn't work. You just don't know how to operate that way. I can't. That's not me. So and the same way, it was never a conscious decision to go into this with so much heart. It's, it's not something that I can consciously stop. Right. And at this point, I, I embrace it and I know, and I try to schedule accordingly and, you know, make sure that Certain things are done beforehand in advance. So that way, when I come home, I'm able to have that downtime that I need to recharge emotionally to be able to give to my family. So, like, you won't take two weddings back to back, for example? um, I try not to. I did for many, many years. Um, I think it was only a year ago that I started really trying to not book two back to back traveling weddings,
0: meaning weddings.
1: I live in New Jersey and a lot of my clientele is in New York. So, if I'm going to be in the car for four or five plus hours round trip that's going to drain me even more right just because of the physical you know I hate driving it's too many years with so much oh, travel. I love driving So for me it's really really taxing even though it is alone time right you know and by the time so for me I won't uh, you know at this point I'll try not to book two weddings that are that far from me back to back with okay, that being but here's said, my question
0: this is your said, income
1: like this is your income. Oh, with right, that being said, right. okay. Hold on, Let's go for it. it. So with that being said, there's still seasons. You know, June is huge wedding season. Right. August, you know, before all the Jewish holidays, before Rosh Hashanah and that entire time of year is a super busy season for weddings as well. That's before
0: what I got Passover married. Passover
1: is a huge, there's, there's certain crunch times during the year where I do end up, you know, breaking my own
0: rules. Right. So. I think that all people who run their own businesses do that. I have, I have this rule where I try to not work on weekends. Actually, I don't, and I, and I lose clients that way because there are a lot of my custom clients who can only come on, on Sunday. And I, and for me, it has a lot to do with, um, like with my husband's schedule. Mm-hmm. He works, he, he, people think that I work crazy hours. You should see the hours that he pulls. Like when he's picking me, he's picking me up from my studio at 11 o'clock at night when he's just coming back from work also. Right. Um, and and he, gen- he usually sometimes like there's busy times when he when he has to, but mm-hmm. he usually doesn't work on Sundays. And so like the weekends are really precious to us because yeah. it's it's when we're not working. And mm-hmm. I don't take clients that can only meet me on Sundays and I tell them I will meet you at eight o'clock at night on a weeknight. Um, but I'm not, but, and, and that's hard because you are losing clients that way. And especially with someone like you, where your job is, you have to be there. Like you can't do my makeup remotely. <laughs> you need to be in front of my face. There's no delegating. Right. Like it I can't outsource. It, it, I can't do anything like exactly. that. Exactly. It, it's your hands. It's your skill. It's your talent. It's all of that. Um, so by choosing to not take those traveling weddings, you are cutting your income. Definitely.
1: That's so why it, I think that's why it took me so many years longer than it probably should have, because I knew that when I'm actively limiting the amount of bookings I take, I am actively limiting the amount of income that's coming in.
0: Right. So was it, did you just get to a point where you had, like, you were just non-functioning and you needed to make that decision? Was it, was it, was it a decision that was made for you just by virtue of the fact that you couldn't do it anymore? Or were you more mature about it? And, because I could never have done that. To just be like, no, I'm taking less clients. You know, you say, you, you know, we always say, I think that we could never until we're in that situation
1: and we're like, hmm, because, you know, you can't, I think that it's very hard to imagine what we would do in a situation until we're actually there. And I think I actually got there. I got to that point where I was at a crossroads and I knew that I have to make a decision because, you know, if, if. If I was, I had to make a decision if I was ready to potentially lower the standard of living that I was accustomed to based on the amount that I had been working in exchange for a quality of life that I so desperately wanted. And at that point, I was ready to do that. So if it meant that I could, that I was, that I would be able to no longer have specific luxuries or, you know, obviously I knew what I, what I needed in order for us to live and in order for my kids to not feel any change, but I'm talking about for myself, I was like, okay, so if it means that I'm not going to be able to get this or do this or go there necessarily, is that worth my overall quality of life? And to me, the answer was yes at that point, which is not to say that it's not hard and that I don't, miss certain things or even miss that rush of that constant back and forth and back, back, nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. But at the same time, it was an extremely conscious decision that was really well thought out. And money isn't everything. And you don't get those years back, not only with your children, but with yourself. I'm never going to be at this stage in my life again. And I don't want to look back in, you know, in 30, 40 years from now and say, oh, I shouldn't have worked myself to the
0: bone or put work ahead of life. Yeah. I think, and I think that it's, it's, it's harder to realize that when you're in it, you know, it's harder. Oh, it's sure. like, it's a lot easier to look back and, and be, I don't know about you, but I am probably, I am so self-critical and like, I will look back at things I that I did. I can't relate. Really. Oh, stop <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Of course. The like, hardest on ourselves, of course. Oh, 100%. Like, it's funny because when Oh, my husband does this all the time. and they'll there'll be something if I'm working on a collection or whatever, I call it my creative angst. One of my favorite memes is um the the steps of the creative process, and it goes, "This is awesome. This is tricky. this is this is hard. This, um, this is crap. I am crap. This might work. I am awesome. Like, and it's and it's those are the steps. Oh, and I see that you're smiling <laughs> right now, and that's right. how it worked. Definitely. So I call it my creative angst. Angst, yeah. Um, and it. What was funny is that um, when when I when I was going through, um, designing the the first collection that I designed when my husband knew me, I completely cha- I completely changed. I'm awful to live with. It's it's not cute. Um, I'm sure and, that's and, not And true. he was like oh, ha, 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 ha. you could ask him. It's true. 100%. I will. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Um, and he, and he was so confused because he was, cause he said, listen, I'm not like an authority on dresses, but can I see what you're designing? And I was, and I was like, yeah, no problem. I'm not like precious about showing my sketches to people who, who like I know and trust. And, and I showed it to him and he goes, okay. He's like, and then right away, he's like, I don't really know what I'm talking about, but these seem perfectly fine. Like these, like this, like really this seems like an overreaction. Cut to a couple of seasons later. I mean, we've, we've known each other now for, uh, oh, we're coming up on three years, four years. I don't know, whatever. Um, And, and like at the last collection when this happened, he was like, are you doing that thing where you're hating yourself again? Because you should stop. It's not worth it. And that's not, don't do that. Just don't do that was like yes i am and i'm gonna stop it don't stop being so practical about this like that's what happened because i'm i'm Your so process. self. yeah it's i i don't know and it's funny because the last collection that i designed um which is the spring 20 collection was the first collection that i designed without actively hating myself and that was oh, that, that was a huge that's leap amazing. and i didn't realize until afterwards yeah i was like wait a second I didn't have a breakdown. Yeah, I was like, because I was going through it and I was being super, I, you know, I'm always super methodical about it. There are really strict deadlines of what I do and stuff needs to be done by a certain date and whatever. Um, and as I was working through it, it wasn't until I was up to, I designed a dozen pieces for this collection um, and then a dozen samples and then they, they die at various stages. Some of them don't don't get shown to my wholesale clients. Some do, some don't end up going into production, whatever. Um, but I, I designed a dozen dresses Um, and once I was up to like number 10 or 11, maybe I just looked at him and I was like, Hey, I didn't have a breakdown this time. Like there was never a point when I just, when I just came home and started crying ridiculously and, and, and like, you needed to hold me for a half an hour. And like, that didn't happen this time. And he was like, good. Can we make that a trend? Like that was unnecessary and didn't need to happen. I was like, maybe, maybe it will. Maybe it won't. Um, I think that in general, um, growth
1: is something that you may not feel when you're in it, but then right. when something comes up, like let's say this situation that would consistently repeat itself with you, and then when you realize that that you know, pattern that you may have felt was unhealthy or n- not serving you in the way that you wanted it to, and when you realize in hindsight that you broke that, right. then you kind of realize, oh my goodness, I've actually grown a lot
0: more than I may realize or I may give myself credit for. Right. I, I actually tried to figure out what had actually happened because, um, it is, I mean, you for sure know this as a creative person, it is very hard to not tie your self-worth to your output. Definitely. What it's like if I have a day when I don't, it used to be that if I had a day when I didn't sketch or I didn't pattern or I didn't put together an ad campaign or I didn't do something. Oh, like the waste it, of a day. It literally, yeah. It yeah. was like, why yeah. was I, why did I even wake up this morning? Um, and then what I had, what I realized as I, as I became more and more experienced in this field, and I'm sure that this will continue to um, like, I, I hope it continues to develop. Like I hope I continue to grow and learn more things. Of course you um, I stopped tying my self-worth to how well things sold, um, particularly in the wholesale space, because what I realized was there are about a million reasons why a store may or may not choose to carry my collection. And only one of them is I don't like the clothes. Like that's literally, and that's literally number 99 out of a hundred, because before that it's, do they want to carry my price point? Do they want to do dressy clothes? Do they want to, do they want to carry color? Do they feel, is their overall business doing good? Did they just come from a different um, company where they, where they feel like they overspent their budget and now they don't have any left all and all of those have nothing to do with me or my clothes or whether they like them or whatever. So like letting go of that and just being, you know, kind of putting my head down and saying, I'm going to make what I want to make. And the spring twenty collection is amazing, and I'm so excited for you guys to see it because, because that's literally what happened in the process. It was, it was. Listen, you I'm have not, to create what makes your heart sing. Exactly, and that's and that's what I did with this collection. Is that I took, I stopped trying to figure out what people would like, what my wholesalers would want to buy, because that's like that's like a dog chasing its tail. You could do that for forever, and I was just like, I'm just gonna make what I want to make, and I'm gonna make great stuff. And by the way, there was a great reaction to this collection. Um, and, that, and, that, and, and that just builds on itself and builds on itself and, and all of that. So it's really easy to be self-critical. And, 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 you know, and while I think it's easier to be self-critical in the moment than it is to be reflective in the moment, and these are things that I came to afterwards. But I'm curious for you, when you, when you are making that pivot... Because I know that you're like I you, you are pivoting, right? You are doing other things. Definitely. Right. Yeah. So, which I know you're not gonna tell me about, but whatever. Of course not. Uh of course not. Cause because that's, that's just I not operate. how <laughs> that's, that's not how Gitty rolls.
1: No, there's no guys, I'm working on something, or here's a sneak peek when it's ready. Why not? Because I feel like Cause the sneak peeks, by the way, are oh, a I'm great sales them. tool. I'm not against them, but great, like, I use it all the time. Absolutely. I'll tell you my. And I don't have any sort of marketing team or brand oh, company that I work with. Okay. Yeah. But you're so really good at So I just do what I want and what speaks to me. So I could be dead wrong. So everybody don't listen to me. Oh, please. but with that being said, I'm just going to-
0: With that being on. said, you're just really good at marketing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to touch on what we were discussing just a minute ago regarding, you know, when you pivoted in your company and started creating fairly recently, creating what you love as opposed to what you think you're- customers wanted to see I I've, I've always you know leaned more towards that but as I grow up first of all in life um, as I'm getting older but also as I grow more in my business I am more and more comfortable sitting in that and doing what I feel you know what I know makes my heart sing and what I feel that my The clients that I know I have now would love because I do have a feel for my audience and for what speaks to them. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to get everybody and I'm not trying to please everybody. And I'm very aware of my niche and I love my niche because I created it. So for me going, you know, that's why I think for you that future collections will do so well because it will attract the clientele that appreciates it as opposed to you going out and trying to please Everybody. That's, I think, just a great business tip in general. And going forward- It's a great business tip
0: because running, doing anything creative is really hard. And doing something creative that you don't love is literally like trying to push a gorilla up torture. a hill. It's Like torture. it's actual torture yeah. and you won't be able to do it. Like it's, it's yeah. really just not sustainable. So to me, you know, going forward, I, I'm doing things the way
1: I would want it to be done to me. So I, when I see sneak peeks, I want to see the actual product within 48 hours or whatever's being teased to me. I don't have a long attention span because I'm being so constantly bombarded with so many images and so many pitches and so many campaigns because this is a technologically driven world. And if you want to hold my attention span for more than three seconds, then I, you can't make me wait that long. So for me, that's how I feel. When I hear, guys, I'm working on something but I can't tell you, then what, what, what that person to me, again, this is just my opinion, but what that person is telling me essentially is they're asking something from me and they're asking for my attention to be on them for an, for an undetermined amount of time until they choose to fill my curiosity. Why should I trust you with my attention span for an X, number of t- for an X amount of time? So to me, I like to do again what I want to see. And what I want to see is chick chuck. I don't have patience. So either if you know, if going forward, if there is, you know, a teaser for something that I am going to be offering my audience, there will be a as short of a gap between the teaser and the actual launch as I would want to see, but not longer than that. Or you
0: do it, you would let it sit like over a weekend.
1: you know, again, it's again, because I don't have a team telling me what to do. I kind of do what feels right. And I really trust my gut. So again, it depends on what the launch would be and on, you know, because weekends, for example, just because you said weekend, a weekend can feel like four or five days to some people. It doesn't fly by as much as, you know, from a Monday night to a Wednesday night.
0: Right. Okay. I hear that. So,
1: you know, so I'm just taking it very literally what you said. So, you know, it would depend what's going on, but I'm just, anything that I'm doing going forward in my business is what would I want from someone that I'm watching or that I'm following or that I'm invested in, in any sort of way. And if it's not something that I would want, then why would, why would my audience want it?
0: Okay. Well, why do you think people like you so much? Because people they love don't? you. <laughs> oh my. Um, okay. Full- no 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 don't tell me no here's (laughs) the thing though i will tell you now um i mentioned to a couple people that we were doing this interview and it was like oh my gosh kitty now i understand i understand like the celebrity aspect of it you are popular people like you people like to follow you i like to follow you your page is beautiful like fine i get all of that but people love you like there are people are obsessed with you why do you think that is? I think we should ask them. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um hmm. again, I don't do it's not it's it's not an act. And I've met people at some again, because I'm kind of, you know, out in the fields as opposed to working from home and I'm at weddings and I'm I'm meeting a lot of people who do follow me on Instagram and I'm not any different. It's just me. And I know that I relate a lot to the people who, you know, I feel, to the people who I feel are being just really themselves. And words like realness or authenticity or confidence are words that you never hear out of my mouth on social media. Because to me, I feel that either you talk about it or you just are. Right. And that is not to say that the people who talk about it aren't at all, because I have so many colleagues and friends on social who talk about it, and they totally are, because I know them in real life. But to me, I feel like, again, this is just for me personally, it almost dilutes, it almost dilutes the message. And I feel like- Have you like ever heard so of the writing rule show, Don't Tell? Oh, of course. Yeah. I, I think that's also great with kids as well, because yeah. kids will- you know, again, I'm a mother of four and that's something that I've noticed a lot with parenting that you can say things to your kids from today till tomorrow, but they're absorbing what you do. Right. And I don't think this is any different. And it's not as much of a conscious awareness of, ooh, I want to portray this image as opposed to you know, people are not not stupid. Let me go on a tangent for a second, even though it's not really a tangent, but something that I always tell my students and something that I notice in general on social media is that sometimes messages or yeah, sometimes messages can be almost dumbed down. I want to say, I'm trying to think of a more PC way to say that, but whatever you get it. And I feel like it can sometimes be frustrating where don't think that we don't see straight through it. Don't think that we don't know that, you know, you're just leading up to it in this way because I'm, you know, I'm already tensed up because I already know you're about to sell me something. You know, you you, you see people are a lot more transparent, I think, than they think they are. And I know we say this about children all all the time that, I mean, I definitely see it with my children and with any kids in my life, even the ones that aren't mine, where they, you see this a lot, even with babies, that they are, why are they attracted to certain people? You know, even a little baby, an eight-month-old baby will smile and be pulled towards one person over another. Young children, even older children, they'll be more comfortable with certain relatives or certain people at parties than others. And, you know, I believe that it's because they will just, you smell authenticity and you smell when someone is real and when there's no divide between who they say they are and who they actually are. And I don't think we lose that as we get older, I think it goes more into our subconscious where we may not be aware that that's what we're thinking and feeling when we're watching someone on social and we may not be able to necessarily put the right words to it, why we click or connect with someone as if we are sitting next to them in real life when we're watching them through a screen. But I believe it's that same quality of humans will know when other humans are for real. it is
0: possible to be truly authentic or real or whatever word you want to use on a public platform because i think there are people who get this very wrong there are people who will say like i'm i'm being so real and really they're just living their life as an open sore and telling me every time they yelled at their husband or their kid didn't pick up their socks and i'm like "Uh, uh, no like that that doesn't appeal to me do you think that it's possible to be truly authentic on a public platform and not, and, and not like be a Kardashian. Do you know what I mean? And not just live your life open, like, you know, openly for everyone to comment and give your kids no privacy and let me know every single time you like went to the bathroom. Let
1: me ask you a question.
0: You follow me, right?
1: Yeah, of course. Who doesn't? Do you, do you see me as someone who gives you every single update on every single
0: thing going on in my personal life? Of course not, but here's my, but here's my point. I still think that you are, I, I do think that when you say something, you mean it. Absolutely. So where to, so Mike, I don't know, like, do you
1: so think. You're not asking if it's possible because you see it's possible. I think you're asking how that. Maybe. Be, yeah. That's a better question. Answer that. I think so. So, I mean, I don't know, but that's what I yeah, think. Yeah, why not? Yeah. It's a better um, question. Go with that. <laughs> I have a couple of, I don't know if you would call it rules, but there's a couple of things that go through my mind. Some of them I've mentioned on social or, you know, speaking engagements or whatever. Some of them I've mentioned in the past. So this may not be new to some of you, but I'm going to mention it anyway because it's a worthwhile reminder. Um, There are a couple of, it's kind of like this little mental checklist and it's, again, it's not conscious. It's just something that I've kind of noticed that goes through my mind. Um, Before I post on stories or when I'm writing a post on, uh, you know, on, the actual grid on Instagram. And there's a couple of things that I really kind of just think about quickly. It takes a couple of seconds, but one thing that I always kind of think about is, is what I'm about to say or post, is this a wound or is it a scar? Mm -hmm. And yeah. And to me, if something is an open, and again, this is for me. If, if something is a wound and it's open and it's raw and it's bleeding then i'm not going to talk about it and i'm also usually if it's something that's big enough that you know again because i because i'm i'm a very sensitive person in general and it's very hard for me emotionally to compartmentalize when something major is going on which doesn't have to be dramatic i mean everyone goes through things this is the way the world was set up. But I I also can't fake it. So during those times, it's like, am I just trying to pretend to be all perky and whatever? And if I am, and I am going through something, I generally won't post. Because even if no one will pick up, I just feel like it's misleading for me. And I feel like if I'm posting all the time, always happy and always great and fine and amazing, then... Again, if I was watching me, I will very likely at one point when I'm going through something or if I'm in a bad mood, think, oh my God, like how is Getty Burger always happy and everything's always sparkly and beautiful and amazing and in the right lighting. And I would never want to be that person to make someone else feel that way. So for me, I won't post saying, hey guys, I'm going through something because to me that's a wound right? and it's open and I'm in the middle of it but I choose to just not post at that time.
0: Okay. So you take, I'm talking about,
1: I'm talking about on stories because with posts that's separate and I usually have that planned out months in advance, but I'm talking about on stories (laughs) and I'm, you know, I'm talking about on stories because I feel like that that's just misleading and it doesn't, it just doesn't sit right with me.
0: Um, But when you basically refuse to
1: lie to people, I guess so
0: yeah <laughs> you're just an honest okay. person who refuses to <laughs> lie to people i'm not gonna pretend that i'm happy but i'm not right, and this is I actually don't... something that you taught me by the way because you can probably still hear it in my voice um i have been sick the past week and like sick like in bed not anything I'm and perfect. i was and i was texting with you and i was like i feel like i need to put something out there and you were like go watch tv yeah, don't don't like just don't and it's it's a hard lesson to learn but it but it's important, and I do think that that- Because if I'm someone proud. sees you powering through when in real life you really, really
1: don't want to, then what if they feel that pressure to push through when it's really not the right thing? Right. And I think that it's super important to, to understand that level of power that you have or anyone who's putting, them, putting themselves out there publicly
0: has. Yeah. No, you're right. It, it is totally. super important. Yeah. Because there are people who look to, there are people who look to people who they don't know It's. it's We all do. We all do. You know. We all do it
1: because I think that when it's phrased that way, it can almost be viewed as a weakness. Like, oh, the ones that follow the influencers. I have news for all of us. We all do, and we're all influenced by anything that we consume.
0: So all of us are being influenced all the time. Right. And it's also a very safe space. Can I tell you the craziest story? Mm -hmm. This happened about a year ago. So there is a trade show that happens in Bar Park um, every year at a hotel called the Parkhouse Hotel. Happens twice a year. It's it's basically where you go if you want to sell a modest line to a Jewish clientele. Mm-hmm. Um, and I show, I show at the show, um, and a lot of the store owners that come there are women who do not drive. Uh, there are certain sects of Orthodox Judaism where where the women don't drive. Yeah. Um, I am not from that sect. I do drive a lot. I love it. Um and I was Did leaving. Like the- sometimes I wish I was from that sect. <laughs> <laughs> it would be, it would be like nice to be driven everywhere, yeah. right? No, I, I have to really, really love driving. It's, I think it goes back to like just being an introvert in the alone time. And I just like listen to podcasts and I scream at the top of my lungs singing and I just have the best time. Sure. Um, I was leaving the show late one night at about 10 o'clock and I noticed one of my store owners um, was like basically sitting there and she was on the phone and she was, w- she was trying to like coordinate when someone could come pick her up. Um, and I happened to have been driving through her neighborhood on the way home. So I offered her a ride. I said, if you want, I can I can drive you home. And she said, oh, yeah, no problem. That would be great. This is an older woman, I want to say probably like in her 70s, um, who has been selling clothing for, I think she said, 50 years or something like that, Um and we got to talking in the car. It's late. It was like very romantic setting. It was like it was it was late. It was dark. We were <laughs> driving through so like all the. Light, it's like me and this older woman. Um, and she started asking me about about my family, um, and and what my husband does and and everything, and she and and I told her I said you know he's an accountant he's whatever, and then from left field completely from nowhere, she starts unleashing all of her like marital problems to me basically she was saying how her husband is um how she really doesn't like the job that her husband has. She really doesn't like, um, she really doesn't like what he does. He doesn't make a lot of money. She needs to work um, so hard and she really doesn't want to be running this store, but she has to be because, because they need the money. And he's, and he's very strict and he never wants to do anything fun. And she's such a fun person and I'm so expressive. And, and, and for, and I remember this line that she says, she goes, she says for 47 years, it's just been boring. And I was like, "Oh my God, you poor soul! What am I supposed to do?" So sad. Do and it was so, so hard. Sad. And then, and then she started complaining about her mother in law, and 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 how awful her mother in law is. And then I was like, "I don't know what to do. I I don't know what to do." And I was like, "Thank God I have a wonderful mother in law." Um, so I so I I like said something ridiculous like, "Oh yeah, that that can be really hard." But really, like she just needs ridiculous. That's validating. It was it was the kind of thing also where. I I told the story to my mom afterwards well I came home and I said to my husband you're not gonna believe the drive back that I just had um and I'm telling him this whole thing and he's like oh my god that's that's so ridiculous and like and then for half a second I was like why don't you leave this marriage and then I was like you've been married to him for 47 years you're not leaving him like that's not that's not happening um and what, what I told the story to my mom and I was like you're and I was like, you're not going to believe, I was like, I don't even know what to do with this. Like, why did this happen? And, and my mom was like, Rifki, you are the safest space that she could have possibly asked for. She's like, who are you going to talk to? Who are you going to tell? Who are you going to, like, what's going to happen here? um that would affect her life in any way. You do not come like she's she's never going to meet you in the grocery store. You're never going to meet her husband, you're never going to meet her kids, you're never going to meet her daughter-in-law. You are like anything that she said she knew would die the second she left that car and she needed that. And I think that people view the people who they follow in the same way. You're never going to meet you. You're never going to see them. They can complain to you about their their kids, their husband, their whatever. And they, and and it's no one's ever going to find out because it's it's an easy safe space but i also think that you need to put yourself out there in a way for people to feel comfortable and i do think that you do that very well i and i don't think that it's intentional i think that you're just no definitely wasn't right you're just like that because because you just are that's just that's just my whole page is just very
1: cozy vibes it's cozy don't don't get dressed up when you're coming over there you know sweatshirt all the way
0: all all the way every day Oh my gosh, this was fun. Okay. You
1: know, once you're once you're talking about that, I should just, you know, I may as well just make this statement that anything that goes down in my DMs and there's a significant amount. I mean, it stays between you and me to whoever I talk about. I don't think it's cool that people tell me things. I think it is an incredible responsibility. And... I'm super careful to not give potentially life-altering advice because I know that people listen to me. Right. And I know that if I tell someone, hey, why don't you do this? And it could potentially have life-altering effects because I don't know them in person. I don't know so many other factors that are surrounding whatever it is they're asking me about. And that's a responsibility I would never want to have or a hold i would never want to have over someone else's life so that's something that i am super cognizant of and super careful with because i'm am, i'm am not your therapist and you know i am i just try to be that validating safe space like you said and that person that you can sound off of without you know in 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 the safety of that anonymity and of sometimes it's a lot more easy and more comfortable to a lot more easy, a lot easier. <laughs> Sometimes it's a lot easier and it's a lot more comfortable to not be sitting face-to-face with someone and to just be DMing them because it's, it's, it's almost less emotional and it creates that degree of separation where you may be able to think it out for yourself more clearly. So I just wanted to let you guys know that.
0: Yeah, that's, that's super powerful. Okay, we're wrapping up. What's next for GB? so many things (laughs) tell me tell me
1: tell me um so there's a lot of things coming i give me give me one concrete thing you sound like ellen's generous
0: i give me uh, one give me one (laughs) (laughs) yeah just tell me one um i I love ellen by the way i love her too ellen if you want to come on the show you're invited always have your people reach out to my people (laughs) this is the second time we've we've address something to Ellen on the show. I just want really? to put that out That's there. Really? That's so yes. funny. Yes. So I, I get a
1: lot of requests, you know, in my DMs in person so often with weddings. As soon as I walk in, they're like, oh my God, Gitsy. Okay, so can you do this? And can you start this? And can you whatever? And I've been, you know, in my DMs and even on comments and in emails, and I've been mentally storing all of this away. I've been writing things down. I've been scheming and dreaming for a number of years at this point. And, you know, now those ideas are in labor. So soon they'll be born,
0: you know, stick around. Okay. Hold on. I'm not letting you off that easy. (laughs) You, no, no, not. They're (laughs) held captive right now. I am I am all the people messaging you. Oh gosh. Uh, what is it about now that makes you you said that this has been this has been going on for years. People have been asking for these things and I want I want more, but that's nice. We'll, we'll let that lie for a little bit. <laughs> what is it about now that makes you think that it's the time people have been asking for years? Why is why is now the time to give the people what they why want? Why now?
1: Why this time? Yeah. Why now? I first of all, again, I go according to my gut and my heart and not according to a business model, which again, guys don't listen to me, but I feel ready. It's the right time for me. You know, again, things, I I can't push things. And if you're a creative, you can understand this. Things just sometimes need to cook and simmer on a super low flame. And then after a while, everything starts smelling really, really good. And you just kind of have to wait and be patient till that smell comes out and that super rich, deep flavor develops. And it just feels, I feel ready and it feels like the right time. It is, there's, and again, this may be terrible, but I'm just, I'm just telling you like it is, this is not a calculated business model that I was like, okay, I'm going to be, you know, doing this for X, Y, and Z amount of time. And then I'm going to go into this You know, I had no idea what my life was going to look like a year ago. I just knew that back to back traveling and working anywhere between 12 to 16 hour days with, you know, children ranging from a near toddler to, I mean, not a toddler anymore, but a preschooler to teenagers was no longer working for me. But I couldn't not do it because this was my income. But there were so many other things that were kind of simmering and cooking in the back of my mind. So many little voices from all of you guys that I that kept coming back to me and kept coming back to me. And again, I as a creative, I can't force things. But when it clicks, it clicks, and it's time.
0: And it clicked. Totally. Okay. One, I'm I'm one more prying question. Sure, because, as I can.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> you said that like these are things that people have asked you about that people have.
1: Not not uh, everything. There are certain things that I just decide because
0: that you, you just know, decide okay. I, but but a majority it's yeah. based on what people yeah. tell you that they it's want on, yeah okay so what is the number one request that you get from people
1: hmm i can't tell you that why
0: not because it, because it would be a very direct giveaway so uh, ask me
1: another personal question <laughs>
0: Tell me your deepest secrets and fears. Did I tell are you, you like, one of my deepest fears. I'll will t- give that to you. I was just about to say you would be way more comfortable answering that than what are you? Totally, of on course. Next? <laughs> okay, we'll um, end with that. Okay. So, um,
1: I just wanted to say one thing, just to go back because okay. I'm one of these crazy people that. I need my brain organized. And I feel like there was one statement that I made before that I didn't finish. So for anyone who wanted closure on that statement, when I was discussing, um, earlier when I was discussing, uh, wounds versus scars, so I won't necessarily talk about something when I'm actually going through it and when I'm in the thick of it, because I see that as a wound, but I do, and I have spoken about something once it is a scar, And once it has healed, because the same way I think it is helpful for someone to not see me story when I'm not feeling it, I think it is just as helpful, if not more to hear from someone that you may look up to that we're all normal. We all go through things. We all get embarrassed. We all get heartbroken. We all get taken advantage of, you know, no one's that different you know, in that sense. And I'm the first person to tell you, you're the most important person in the world. But another super comforting statement is we're not that special and we're not that different from each other. And it's, it's such a comforting thing. So once something is a scar, I do talk about it because I think that that can help people too. Now back to my fear. (laughs) So when my husband was in school for psych, he came home and I think it was required. Maybe it wasn't. I don't remember. But either way, there was only DVDs at the time. I'm about 76 years old. Oh, so just about. <laughs> so he came home with a bunch of DVDs, different psych movies. And one of them was Silence of the Lambs. Nobody watch it.
0: <laughs> and My husband wants me to watch I
1: it. don't. I don't do scary movies. I, he loves I like butterflies and fairies and unicorns. I need my imagination to be a very comforting place. So, you know, I'm a friends girl. Anyone who yes. knows me knows this. Yes. Give me Phoebe and Rachel and Joey. I'm good. Yeah. So I need comfort. So, um, so comfort or emotion, you know, give me that okay. or give me the notebook and I'm good. Okay. So definitely nothing scary. So he, so he turned to me and he's like, Gitty, you're not watching this with me. This is not for you. And this was years ago. And I was like, oh my God, you're not going to watch a movie without me, are you? (laughs) (laughs) So he said, listen, you could watch it with me, but just I mean, I'm warning you, I don't think this is for you. Anyway, so I sit there with my fingers covering my eyes, but like my eyes peeking through the cracks of my fingers because you don't want to watch, but you can't not watch. Yeah. Like Also, you'll be damned if your husband's going to watch a movie without you because you think that's like a cute thing. It was not cute. And we're sitting there and I am digging my face so hard in his shoulder that it hurt my head, let alone his poor shoulder. And I watched it and it was horrific. I'm not even getting into it, it was trauma. So ever since then, the main protagonist of the story, whose name is Hannibal Lecter, lives in my closet. I know I it's shouldn't be funny. laughing at this, but it's it, this amazing. This is not funny. It's, he it's... does live in my closet though. And every single night since then, we are going back at least six years, maybe eight. Every single night since then, before my husband gets into bed, and if he's in bed, I kindly request, or not so kindly beg or tell <laughs> him to please get out of bed and make sure that our bedroom door is fully shut, our closet door is fully shut, and our bathroom door is fully shut. Because in my mind, Hannibal Lecter, for some reason, cannot open doors. Okay. So if we trap him in there, then I'm good. Then you're fine,
0: and then you can sleep.
1: But I'm, I'm not okay to this day, and the moral of the story is listen to your husband. Okay, <laughs>
0: fair enough. <laughs> That's not where I thought that was gonna go, but cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> love that okay if somebody wants to learn more about gitty burger where can they go
1: what should they do um you guys can follow me on instagram at gitty burger that's g-i-t-t-y-b-e-r-g-e-r
0: and that's it for now and that's it oh for now wrote oh Okay. Last question that I ask everyone who comes on the show to you, Gizzie Burger, in your personal life, in your professional life, in the way that you move through the world, what does it mean to you to make an impact?
1: I think to make an impact for me is to make others feel good about themselves just by being myself, not by putting on an act or doing what I think will get them there, but by living in my own truth and by living my best, most content, full, joyful life. And in that inspiring others to do the same. Love that. Thank you so much for coming on
0: out. Day. I really appreciate it Thank you for having me. Bye guys. Thank you for listening today. You can access the show notes by swiping up on the cover art. You'll find all of Kitty's links there, including, by the way, a link to the sale page on ImpactFashionNYC.com. There's an extra 15% off already reduced prices over there, so check it out. To hear more episodes, subscribe. Or head over to ImpactFashionNYC.com slash blog slash podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and want to help more people hear it, leave a review with your favorite little nugget that Kitty dropped. Or just a quick rating. Both make my day. The episode art was designed by Michelle Moses. Original music composed by Nissan Fetman. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Riff Gizkiewicz. Catch me on Instagram and Facebook at impact.fashion.nyc. As always, here's to making an impact together.